It's episode 61 of the MetroFed TV weekly rundown. Yes, I'm bringing back weekly because we have been recording episodes weekly once again. Coming to you live off the backs of a 1-0 defeat to Minnesota United in what can only be described as probably the stupidest game of the season so far. Um, <laughs> always a weird way to drop your home opener, I guess. But um, here to break everything down to, with me today, flying... I was a single co-pilot once more. Juan Escalante, how are you? I'm all right, Lens. Feeling feeling kind of owned by that result, but not too owned, but just like slightly brought back down to earth. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not like a corn cob right now, right? right. I, I I definitely have not shrunk into a corn cob. Too, yes, uh, I don't. I don't think that Patrick Lamala is the worst player who's ever played because I've seen more than 90 minutes of him playing soccer. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get back down to that in a little bit, right? Because uh, I think, uh, well, I mean, uh, the story for this game, I guess, on the surface would be that we dropped the home opener 1-0, um, which is never fun. You never want to take L's, obviously. but Never. Um, if you look a little bit deeper, right, I think you would probably, like in spite of... Uh, I think a slightly sloppier than expected performance, like in spite of everything, we still carved out a lot of chances, right? We, we carved out a lot of chances. I mean, I've never seen the XG figure go into the threes, basically. It's crazy, right? man. Yeah. <laughs> like a margin of like 2.7 to 3.2, man. That's nuts. Yeah, I mean... To that, not have a goal. Yeah. I mean, I mean that should tell you about the underlying performance in spite of all these things, right? I mean, yeah. uh, it wasn't a case where we were really struggling to do anything to win the game. I mean, like, again, far cry from last season, right, where you, you just kind of see people... So we see the team just laboring to create a goal, right? I mean, this wasn't really ca- really the case at all. I mean, we didn't look sharp, I would say. Um, generally, the ball movement for most of the game was a bit slug- a bit more sluggish than we anticipated. And of course, it's never fun to miss a penalty. But that being said, I mean, like, in spite of everything, large volume of chances throughout the game, it took, like, probably one of the most um, phenomenal goalkeeping performances. Exactly. If, um, if, 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 if their goalkeeper wasn't having, if Dane St. Clair wasn't having a career night, we would have definitely been them. Just like looking at, he faced seven shots, he saved all of them. So I'm like, all right, well, you got to tip your hat at some point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, by no means do you have to hand it to him. But in this <laughs> case, I'm going to hand it to him. Right. I mean, look, <laughs> it was a decent performance. It was just a shit result. Right, and that's kind of what happens sometimes in this in this game, you know. I mean, yeah. game to game variance is a hell of a thing, and sometimes it turns out results like this. Right, this is like this would be like on Football Manager, where like you would be like hitting like load save, right, right about now, right. It's one of those games, the scum <laughs> save game, the save scum game, you know. <laughs> like this is like 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 we said, right? I mean. Missed penalty, more than enough chances to win the game. Just ran into a red hot goalkeeper. Like this is an outlier in terms of the result, 
But again, right, the trend that runs beneath it is encouraging, right? Because it does show that um, so far, um, as the season has progressed, chances and the attacking output in general have definitely stepped it up a notch from uh, last season, right? Exactly. Which is encouraging. I will say it's exactly. encouraging. Yeah, the frustrate. Yeah, like this game was frustrating, but it frustrating just for this, these like ninety minutes plus of soccer. It's nothing, not an indicator of like how this season is going. It's expecting us to win this game uh, by doing the same things we've been doing. We've been winning the other games by, and we just had we just could do it this time. Yeah, it's kind of what it boils down to. I think let's uh, let's break it down into the nuts and bolts a little bit more, right? And I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, any time a penalty gets missed, uh, you're probably going to be receiving quite a bit of flack, I think. And unfortunately, this is what happened over the week, over the last week or so. Um, and yes, you know, I mean, truth be told, I mean, uh, Klimala did kind of look a bit checked out mentally like, once he missed a penalty. But, you know, I mean, good, good players have off nights sometimes. It kind of did seem to me that he's the type of guy that kind of does beat himself up quite, quite a fair bit when he messes up and makes mistakes, right? Yeah. And it's adjusting that mentality a little bit. But, you know, I mean, one bad game in this series to open the season should not negate the good work that he's done for the first two. And I think that's a fair statement to make. You know, yeah. I don't think it's really warranted to say that he should be benched off the basis of this performance. Or yeah. that he should lose his place in the squad off the, off the basis of this performance. You know, because I think I'm still very adamant about the fact that we don't win those opening two games by like an aggregate of 7-2, right, in our opening two games of the season if you don't have his contributions in the attacking third. You know? One goal, three assists through two game, through three games is a pretty decent output. You know, and I think... Um, now with the, the now with the <clears throat> news that we have are further additions to help bolster the attacking ranks a little bit more, right? I think, uh, you know, I mean, he's still, in my opinion, the best space creator, right? In terms on, on the pitch, in terms of being Absolutely. able to carve open defenses of his runs, and his ability to bring others into play is such an underrated facet of the game, right? I mean, look, like. Drift, him drifting out wide, pulling defenders away, and then creating that space in the middle for the attacking midfielders to run into. I mean, like that's a role that he's executed really, really well through the first like two games of the season. Is yeah. that this time around, you know, I think uh, the confidence was a bit lacking once he missed the penalty. But you know, I mean, I I expect that he can bounce back from that. You know, just have him mentality yeah, reset and come back next week. Yeah, so, people were saying that like his confidence was shot. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think it it did like there were moments where like he he was shouting Corva into the air, uh, but definitely not. I don't think that this affects him going into the next game. I think like Klimal is definitely like a killer. I don't think that he's going to carry this over. Um, and just I, re so I rewatched I rewatched the game because I missed the second half because I was, I was on the capo stand and it's. 
not once did did Klimala ever go invisible. I think that would be the worst indicator if he was not if he like if he had missed the penalty and then he's sulking for the rest of the game and then he's just not involved. And that's not even the case with this particular game. He was still occupying center backs. He was still uh, trying to get on the end of outlet passes. He was still laying the ball off very like skillfully out to like the wings and stuff like that. It's just like, um, like I said, I don't I don't think he's the worst uh, striker we've ever had. Uh, the only bad thing, I guess, with the penalty. My thing with the penalty, right? He probably has some of the best striking technique of anyone on this team. And I'm like, why Why are you just rolling your penalty kicks like that? Just like, I, if he just like rips it into the top corner with a nice, like nice contact, I think that's a goal, man. I don't know. It's like, it's like a, what they call like goal, like a goalkeeper dependent penalties versus yeah. just like independent penalties where he's just like, yeah, just lace it, put your laces through it make it make it unsavable versus like trying to wait for the goalkeeper to do like to make his move first i don't know yeah i mean i think we could tell from last season that he definitely falls into like the former category right the one where yeah. it tries to psych out the goalkeeper and uh one thing that he seems to have done away with in this run-up in this particular case was that like small stutter step that he used to do yeah, right. I don't know if he did that. But, I don't know if he didn't do that because it was cold or he was just off the rhythm or he didn't, I don't know, who knows. But yeah. like if you're not going to do yeah, don't you only you only roll it if you you've sold the goalkeeper on on the on the the hesitation. If you're not going to do that then Yeah. Put uh, uh put some put some oomph, put some mustard on it, son. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's pretty well established in any case that on this podcast we are not really proponents of uh, stutter steps and the like. No, never. Uh <laughs> We still have memories of uh, Simone Zaza. Yes. Okay. Like, uh, apologies <laughs> again for all the Ita- to, to all the Italians who may have just turned off this episode and discussed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, generally, you know, I think this is. I, I guess to make a quick tangent, I mean, this is what I kind of enjoyed about watching Danny Royer penalties over the years. Right? Is that he just fucking roof it every single time? Just yeah. good, like he hit it with power, but also got like the curve on it, so it would curve straight down the middle and then into the top left hand yeah. corner. Very nice. It was so satisfying um, every single time. I'm not every single lie. time. Like um, Roy, just, just, just yeah. there. There are many flaws with Danny Royer, but strike technique is not one of them. I'll Very put it that nice. Way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think if we can go back to Klimala outside of the penalty miss. Like I have what's it called. Early in the first half, we could have equalized. I think Omir Fernandez had like a tap in early, like in the first minute of the second half. That again was saved by Dane St. Clair, so credit to him. But uh, yeah. who who fed that ball to him? It was it was Patrick Klamala getting free on that on that right hand side, the right hand like channel. I think I think it was Morgan played a nice ball to him. He gets to the end line, hitting that ball across. He did it again in the second half. I think towards the end of the game, this time Tom Barlow was on the end. I don't think he got his foot onto that, but like. He, that's twice in one game. He could have had two assists in this game, um, and it was stuff that we weren't doing last season, like getting getting guys to get the ball to the end line, hitting that little stinger cross again. Uh, and that kind of movement specifically, right? The exactly. Yeah. Space. yeah. Yeah. Sorry for the interjection. No, yeah. no, no, no. That's where I was getting at. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, and to kind of build on top of that, right? I mean, I think, uh, I think. I think uh, the 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 added context of uh, the eventual formation change, right? I think halfway halfway through the second half, as we were chasing a goal, I mean, I think uh, makes me kind of kind of made me have this thought, right? That I think 
um, my preferred formation going forward in terms of being able to carve open more moments like that, right? Most of those seem to happen a bit more frequently when we operate in, a, in the 4 triple 2 You know, and I think um, now with the addition of Ashley Fletcher, we'll probably get into a bit more detail about this later, right? You have two strikers that are capable, drifting out wide, but also operating in the center, complementary to mm -hmm. one another, right? And I think... Um, on top of that, with uh, Lucinius making a 10-minute cameo towards the end of the game, right? Yeah. Which I think would probably be the other big talking point uh, from this game. Uh, there is potential for a lot of flexibility here, right? Yeah. But the key would be exactly like you say. Somebody, the, the build-up involving someone drifting out wide, opening all that space in the middle for secondary runners to occupy, right, in the center. Yeah. Omir Fernandez has been really good at carving out the spaces for himself. We know that mm -hmm. Lewis Morgan can do that. And now, well, Lucinias is here, right? I yes. mean, it's, uh, it's an absolute embarrassment of riches, potentially, I think. <laughs> and uh, like you meant, like you say, right? I mean, I think there's still no striker on the roster that is so effective in constantly creating the opportunities for those spaces to run into than Patrick, right? Which is why, for me, I think he stays in the starting 11. I mean, absolutely no, not. Absolutely no way I'm benching him after this game, right? I mean, yeah. I think... I think also, that's like, been... what, what, the, what is the option that you put in, you put in Ashley Fletcher having, like, no minutes previously, you start him? Yeah, next to By himself, Tom like, I don't know what... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, let, let, let's break this down a little bit here, right? I mean, if Klimala sits, you're probably playing Ashley Fletcher and Todd Barlow, right? I mean, yeah. uh, <laughs> people will be like, Omar so this, Omar so that. I mean, Omar so had played, like, what, 30 minutes for the first team? MLS, <laughs> we don't even know if he's MLS quality. I mean, <laughs> this is the difference between him and Barlow is that at least Barlow can have, like, a small run out <laughs> in MLS and, yeah. like, not really. Yeah, like I've said last season, like it's like the unfortunate thing with Tom Barlow is that you don't want to bring him into a game where we're chasing where we're chasing the result. Yeah. But it's perfectly fine to like just kill out the game, really. Kill out a game or if you if you need to start him, like have him like beat up guys for seventy minutes. That's totally fine. Yeah, exactly. But 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 you know, I mean like we're we're basically shooting ourselves in the foot if yeah, like Klimala doesn't play as far as I'm concerned, because, I mean, exactly. the alternatives are either unproven or really just not that productive, if I'm being quite frank. And so far, I think when it comes to having the whole attack tick, I mean, nobody operates in that striker role better than he does. Because yeah. remember, right, the striker isn't necessarily expected to shoulder all of the goal-scoring load in yeah. a hard shooter system. The striker is expected to open a lot of space for attackers to move up into right and it's kind of been working the first two games of the season you know yeah so yeah i mean that's kind of where i'm at with that patrick lamala is 23 years old i forget this all the time that he has many more years to improve yeah and i mean even then he's apparently going to be called up into the polish national team apparently oh interesting there's those rumblings in oam shout out to uh, ben cork ross haley and the guys who I occasionally <laughs> contribute to 
once in a very, very blue moon. But yes. Yeah. Um, a bit more in a international um, transfers later. Uh, but let's divert our attention back to the game momentarily. And I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, we touched upon this briefly. But man, Lukinias is here. You know, I mean, <laughs> that oh, 10 man, minute cameo looks... was a lot of fun. You know. He he looks like a player, man. He looks mint. You know what's interesting about him is that uh, having rewatched the game because I couldn't see too much of him, but yeah. there were the, obviously the moments where he was on the ball and dribbling and dribbling at guys. Which, oh man, <laughs> seeing a guy <laughs> dribble at guys, uh, I was under the impression. I guess bringing him into the game, I was thinking that he would basically play on the wing and sort of get the ball out wide and then come inside. Interestingly, he did not do that. Actually, he was actually in the same spot that Omir was basically in that left-hand channel in the half space, as opposed to like yeah. staying out wide. I think a lot of the times when we were getting the ball up, that's it was Caden Clark actually playing on the wing, turning inside to get the ball to Lukinas. Um, where else? Also a bit of that, like not shades of Kaku, but definitely uh, some like ball. He had a, a nice little like weighted ball played to uh, John Tolkien. Yeah. Uh, that should have been, that yeah. should have led to the second handball, which if we want to talk about, the two handballs by the same guy. Man, referee discourse is always fun in this league, huh? I don't. <laughs> we I, we have a whole suite of like new referees that I'm not used to seeing. It's very bizarre. Like this guy, the new the referee we had. He's this is his, that was his, like his eighth game uh, refereeing in MLS all time. Like he he had six games last season, and this is his second one this time around. Yeah. Um, but like if. If the first handball is a handball and a penalty, I don't understand how the second one is. It's even more obvious. Like the <laughs> like the second one, he's turning away from the ball and the ball kind of hits his hand and goes down. But like the second time, the ball hits up, hits his hand, he gets control of it and gets to clear. I don't understand how that's not how that's not a penalty. Yeah, I me don't my, get it. Yeah, me and my man was like in the NBA skills competition basically. <laughs> you know, like, so great handles. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like like uh, I've been a bit removed from the pro refereeing circles for a while, and I think uh, you know it. It it it, it uh, like I I don't know who these anonymous villains are anymore, but I just want to lament the days of uh, screaming "fuck you, Baldomero Toledo" at my right. TV because yes. I don't think we have the chance anymore. So let's go down memory lane. Let's uh, pour one out for uh, Mark Geiger. Let's pour one out for Ricardo Salazar. Let's oh pour gosh. one out for oh yeah. Ted Uncle, Ted Uncle. Out for, uh, <laughs> let's see, uh, who else do I remember? Fet- Fotis, <laughs> Fotis Bozakos. I rem- Bozakos, my favorite yeah. memory of him was that uh, Jesse shouted his name once. I'm like, well, what, really? Because uh, I think uh, Je- I think Jesse uh, learned the uh, the Mourinho trick of learning the referee's name. Yeah, to get exactly. in his good graces. Oh, I feel like he's still playing. Or I think he's still active, Fotis Bazakos. Yeah, but, but but I'm on I the mean, pro website. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. The only referee that's never let me down is Officer Chris Penso. Officer I, Chris Penso. I, I I don't know FIFA why. referee Officer Chris Penso. Yeah, like when's the last time he's refed one of our games? Huh? Yes, he would have made all the <laughs> correct decisions. Bring Officer Penso back. Did you know that he? They did a video of like what are what are fun facts about these referees that Chris Pencil said that he grew up in a pizza shop. I'm like, wow. He's a man after our own hearts. Really. He's a a man of culture. <laughs> uh, and then Fotis Pazako said that uh, someone once someone once called him Borat during a game. <laughs> Bor, Bor Bor what? Borat. 
Borat. <laughs> <laughs> he should referee in a sling bikini. I think it'd be really funny. Oh my gosh. That'd be, that would be a sight to behold. I tell wow. you what. Um, anyway. Um, handball and referee discourse aside, because uh, what I really wanted to talk about was Lukinius. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Um, yeah, I think like you said, right? I mean, I think... Uh, little glimpse of the kind of role that he's going to play in this team. And I think as we suspected, right, uh, knowing from his uh, video profile, that uh, Legia seemed to have deployed him as like an inverted winger. Doesn't really surprise me to see a lot of that outside-in action already happening, right? With him cutting in on his uh, right foot from the left-hand channel, right? And what's interesting about that is that I think you mentioned this uh, right before the handball discourse, right? Is that that is key because that opens up the wide channel for the fullback pushing up the field to streak into, yeah. right? And as a result of that, like that allows the two strikers to then tuck in along with the rest of the attacking midfielders, right? So if you exactly. assume that the fullback's pushing up that far, right, you'll potentially have like a get cuts to the byline around, say, the edge of the area, right? That's about four or five targets that can kind of cut in, right? And uh, for John Tolkien to aim for. Right. Exactly. And yeah. I think part of scoring goals is just simply creating these opportunities for a lot of guys to get into the box. Right. I mean, sometimes it's really right. just is as easy as that. You know? Yeah. You... I think one of the things about the the four two 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 is that those two advanced midfielders, they're not really wingers. The width is provided by the fullback streaking forward. Yeah. So what those two attacking midfielders kind of exemplified by, I guess. Red Bull Leipzig with guys like um, Emil Forsberg or whatever uh, is sort of operate in sort of inside that to to provide those you know those balls to the to the wing backs or the the fullback streaking forward or you know do the half space stuff be half space boys yeah exactly in in, in this house we worship half spaces basically it's kind of we where love we half are. spaces um, yeah not full spaces that's lame half spaces get the shit out of here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, now we, uh, going to Columbus where we can expect that we'll have, we'll have him potentially available for an expanded role, right? I think, uh, that should be pretty fun to see what happens. Um, kind of feels that, uh, you know, you, you know, it kind of feels like, um, what is it? Uh, you know, in the oceans, like 11 movies, when the, when the whole team's assembled, and they're going through that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of feels like that right about now. Not going to lie. We're stealing the supporter shield. <laughs> stealing? We're not stealing. We're just reclaiming what's ours, pal. Like, Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, you know, I mean, in spite of everything, I mean, this game is kind of a smash and grab. I'm frustrated. I'm not disappointed, so to say. I- I'm not. Yeah. I'm not down bad. I think it's good to say that uh, the most down bad I've been this season was before a ball was even kicked. So, <laughs> yes. um, yeah, you know, I mean, more than happy to say that, that was a, that's been a highlight of my year so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've, uh, we've, been, we've been substantially more happy ever since a ball has actually been, like, kicked by this team in an actual competitive setting. Okay, yes. I mean, I bet... People don't even remember that we lost 6-1 to LAFC in preseason anymore. What? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be one of those weird things when we look back on this year and be like, oh, yeah, that actually happened, huh? 
Yeah. <laughs> when we're lifting supporters, should hey guys, remember that time? Well, remember when we lost one nil to Minnesota? That was a funny time. Yeah. Just like, like losing uh, to Chicago that one time. Yeah, then the Chicago uh, loss, though, right? Yes. That was the, the parlay jersey. I was, yeah. The parlay jersey fiasco, and that was on my birthday as well. Uh, yes. 2018. So, yeah. What, a, was... what a confluence. Alexander Katai, <laughs> he's at Cervena Shvezda or Red Star Belgrade, and uh, he missed a penalty against uh, Rangers. And I'm just like, whoa, that guy again. <laughs> the racism DP. Yeah, that was a deal, man. Uh, r- r- racism ruined my birthday. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up to say. I don't know why the league hasn't condemned this yet, but unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up, man. Yeah, fucked but up. yeah, it's ultimately just just mad watching the game again, and because no one, the team wasn't bad. We were not played off the park. The guys were good. I was so impressed once again by Frankie Amaya and Drew Yearwood in midfield. Uh just like just a far oh like they're just so good they're so calm on the ball frankie is deceptively like really sharp and really quick on the dribble drew's ability to like hit first time balls keep the keep possession recycling um you know morgan again morgan as far as things go morgan did not have a terrible game i think he tailed off at in the end of the second half which i think everyone else did so it's not even particularly his fault but like we've got a real baller in him just seeing the ball site i think he had the most touches and the most dribbles again so like the ball was really funneling through him in that right hand channel dylan nealis i know we're kind of lukewarm on him but i think this particular game we set up to play to his strengths specifically there were nice moments where he was getting up and down i think one of the issues in this game was that uh he and Morgan were way too close to each other. There were times when like Morgan was dribbling on the touchline and like Nealis was right in front of him instead of getting off on runs. Um, and I think they were just on top of each other. Yeah, I mean, um, other than that, I, yeah, keep going. No, sorry. There was a moment in the game where Struber kind of pulled Dylan Nealis to the side and be like, you have to move further up the pitch, right? Like yes. you're, you and Lewis are occupying too much of the same field. You're supposed to be stretching the right-hand channel, so get in a more exactly. position. Exactly, giving the overlaps. Yeah, because uh, I think if you look at the passing maps that like at the MLS website provided, like it really looked like we were playing a conventional like four-man back line, and like Nealis was playing way much higher than um, Tolkien was on that on the opposite flank. And I think, you know, there were moments where he got forward, and I think it was very interesting to see him compared to. Uh, other guys in that position we've had in the past. So uh, compared to Kyle Duncan, who was a little more like ponderous on the ball, a little looser in his touch, he was very much direct getting up and down, a little bit sharper. Um, and I think we, I think, I think it's up to this team, maybe not up to this team, maybe imp- and up to himself to sort of empower himself to do that. Because I feel like to his credit or to give him a little bit of slack, this is probably the most, the quickest system he's had to play in. Like, yeah, if you think about Georgetown, him playing at Georgetown. Uh, I mean, Georgetown college like, soccer is fake, man. I'm sorry. It's like, fake. <laughs> uh, Georgetown, he said it himself that Georgetown is like very much a, their system is very reliant on defense first. And he's basically like a lockdown fullback. He goes to, where does he go? He goes to, goes to fucking Miami, which is the shit show. Uh, Lewis Morgan off, obviously kept him off the field uh, to do, I don't know, fucking feed balls to Iguayin in between his smoke breaks or whatever. And then... <laughs> Uh, he goes to Nashville and then he gets he gets benched. I guess I try to. I think it's Eric Miller on that side. I don't remember who, but yes. Uh, 
these are the most consistent minutes he's been getting in a long time. Uh, and there's a player in him. I think he he was a prospect for a reason. Like I think if his brother, who went to Hofstra, is getting is is a starting center back on this team, there's no reason that like Dylan, who was a, a much better prospect coming up out of Long Island, uh, should be you know should be too worried about him. It's a different learning curve, right? I mean, I yeah. think uh, this is still a guy in his first season of the team, whereas Nealis had like at least two years of seasoning with Red Bull too in a rather insulated, yeah. comparatively more insulated environment to uh, learn the tenets of uh, how we want to play. And I think yeah. uh, in a way, I feel like the movement, I, I feel like the center backs in our system tend to be a bit more, um, have tend to have a bit more freedom to use their natural instincts because I think it's more coverage-based defensive scheme, right? Rather than the fullbacks, where I think is actually a lot more positionally demanding, right? Yeah. You know, especially in its uh, tendency for fullback, uh, especially since the main responsibility for the fullbacks in the system, like you say, is to be offering that wide outlet, right? And if you've been mostly been in defensive first philosophies for most of your career, the timing that you have to do in order to trust yourself to go streak forward and provide that wide outlet, right? I mean, I think that's a mentality shift for players um, that comes with a bit more seasoning and with a bit more confidence in being able to execute in the context of a tech, of this tactical system, right? Mm-hmm. I think we cannot overlook uh, how much of this is having the confidence to go forward and knowing that your teammates can cover for you accordingly. Right. Especially if you've been drilled so much in, like you said, right, lockdown systems where your responsibility is staying home. Right. I mean, Nashville kind of played like that as well. Right. Where we traded. We we got from Nashville. Right. I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, So. Like we said, I think uh, I'm still not really convinced that he should be the starting option for what it's worth. But at the very least, uh, you know, I think. uh, I think while we're still playing like three center backs, then we don't really have an option there. Because I guess unless we have to start playing Monzon, we start folding into Monzon as our starting three. Um, And I guess this is all dependent on whether or not we have a healthy Andres Reyes in the team too, I guess. Um, But yeah, like, like I said, with the passing maps, like because Nealis was playing so high up the field, like Tom Edwards was basically playing as a right back in this shape. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, That's why I think it harkens back to my, my, my feeling that I feel that we should try and explore four triple two a little bit more than three at the back with the personal that we have in hand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I was actually going to give Dylan Nealis a stock down, to be honest. <laughs> he's, we'll, he's been up and down so much. We'll, 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 we'll get there in just a bit. Cause yeah, I mean, I think this is a good discussion, especially now with the looming shadow of Tom Edwards, right? Once again, being around and we know what we know about Edwards is, is that even though I think uh, in terms of making those bombastic runs forward. He's not as, uh, he's not as, he doesn't really do that, but we know that while he was at Stoke, particularly that he liked to hug the touchline as a fullback, right? And he is capable of moving into those channels to like launch a really, really good cross into the box. So, you know, I mean, it's not like Tolkien, where he's going to cut to the byline and then send a driven 
low cross across the face of goal, right? So in fact, I think it's kind of a bit more that he's going to hang out around the touchline and then send in like this really nice pinpoint floated cross in, right? Very traditional, very trad English fullback game. In yes, a way. that's why we got Ashley Fletcher. Get get your head on that side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to get like a two two big lads on the ball. <laughs> nice. Um, so I think, I think uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where, where that goes. Like, uh, let's move on to stocks, I guess, because, uh, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up everything that we want to talk about. Um, we want to talk about for now. Um, ups. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you touched upon Amaya and Yearwood. I think the double pivot definitely collectively deserves one. Uh, Lukinias, I'm going to give another one just because of how bright that 10-minute cameo looked. I'm excited to see what he can do. Context full 90. My last up I'm going to give to I'm going to give my last up to um, I'm not sure. I'll give my last <laughs> I don't actually know who I'm going to give my last up to. Uh, you don't have I to think... give it to anyone. Yeah, I guess I don't. I mean, I mean that's three players right chest. there if you think about it, right? Because you're with Amaya and uh, yes. you're with Amaya and Fuck, I already forgot. Lukinias, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, Downs, okay, I mean, I'm going to say that he's going to bounce back from it. Uh, I will say that it is unfortunate that he didn't convert the penalty. So on that basis alone, he does get a down. But it's a very uh, begrudging down, right? Because I'm not down on his talent at all. I just thought that, like, uh, you know, um, (laughs) I just thought that the... The, the, the performance in the vacuum kind of warranted it, but I'm still convinced that Pasha Kamala is going to be like a key part of this team going forward. So, you know, it's temporary, but I'd be more than happy to like revoke it next week because I actually do think that, you know, he, he's going to bounce back from this. Yeah. Um, down, I, like I said, I was going to give one to Dylan Nealis because I feel that I'm not really convinced that he's ready to start in context currently because he still doesn't really understand what is needed from him. But I guess the only way that you can do that is if you give him more playing time, right? So it's one of those things where, like, just see how he progresses over the course of the season, right? I'm not going to do anything silly, like make general sweeping proclamations about, like, anything three three games into the season, you know? Like, I'm by no means going to say that he's, like, cooked or whatever, right? It's such a silly and knee-jerky way to, like, watch this game, I think. Yeah. Um, last stop down. I'm going to give it to Tolkien, actually. But only because of the uh, the goal, I think. I mean, like, we, we know the Minnesota goal was kind of a smash and grab, right? Yeah. And, I mean, uh, the marking on the set piece uh, left a little bit to be desired. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing about fucking Adrian Heath teams, man. I mean, like, he always has our number for some odd reason, right? Like, he just <laughs> fucking loves to troll. He loves to, like, set up a team to frustrate, and it works every single fucking time. So, you know what? Adrian Heath had our number at Orlando. He may have had it again this time around. We'll get you next time, Adrian Heath. I swear to God. Get him next time. I just, I'm, I'm mostly upset, not as much losing to Adrian Heath, but, like, by the pro- by the prospect of having elongated his career just that little much further. Yeah. 
Because I can definitely see Minnesota having a terrible season, and then he's getting the sack, and then he gets hired by St. Louis down the line or something like that. San Jose, probably. San Jose. (laughs) He might go to Charlotte. I feel like whatever, like, Pep... Uh, regen they've got there isn't long for this world. Yeah, yeah well, what the fuck is going on down there, huh? I mean, like, I thought Miami were a mess. Like, <laughs> these guys somehow managed to find a way to make it even worse. Like, But you have to understand, Lens, they've won the attendance trophy, the most important thing in Major League Soccer. Well, and that's good. we're going to be dancing in the streets of Charlotte tonight, all 70,000 people. <laughs> they uh, plummet to the bottom of the league. Patagonia vests in the air. <laughs> I don't even know what a person from Charlotte looks like. I I don't. I'm just like imagining dudes in Patagonia vests and wearing like uh, those uh, those like khakis that have the built-in underwear in them because they got like a heavy. Uh... Oh, they wear those untucked shirts. Those like shirts that are meant to be worn untucked. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, I I don't know too much about the research triangles slash Sunbelt cities, but they give the absolutely most fucked like technocrat vibes man i mean like we're just terrible there. most of these like new expansion teams are just like people who are like not that into soccer yeah like as cocky, much as they're into like a new thing cocky shorts boat shoes and some kind of cotton dress shirt guys oh my god you know with like the slick back hair they look yeah. like i don't know i mean like probably some low-ranking investment analyst at like Merrill Morgan Lynch Steen, or whatever Morgan the fuck. <laughs> yes, exactly. Morgan Steen and fuck you investors <laughs> or something, you know, like. <laughs> Working in acquisitions and mergers. Yeah. <laughs> Heavily in agricultural futures or whatever. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Some bullshit like that. I don't know. Oh like, the God. most fucked vibes. Only, only I guess, in ter- since it's the research triangle, it's not actually, like, finance, but rather it's, like, I don't know, like medical research or something, right? So they're probably oh, maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. So they they they're developing like pills to like cure ligma that they sell you <laughs> <laughs> that they sell you for like for like a market price of like fifteen hundred percent or something, like <laughs> some yeah. Shit like I that. feel like because it's Charlotte, like they're just waiting, they're banking on the team to have like a put a few good results together before like they can do whatever pregame gimmick thing and let Steph Curry do it. Oh god! Just the uh, most swaggerless ceremonies ever. Just get Boris Diaw. He played in Charlotte. He was the coolest fucking guy. <laughs> you can't obviously you can't get a guy as cool as Boris Diaw for something yeah, like this. Okay, I guess that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, he he would be like the he would be the coolest guy in the room by yes. some distance. By so. enormous leaps and bounds. You show up in his bathrobe and his poodle and be like, "This is what you call soccer." I show you soccer, and then he does like some flawless Henri shit. Exactly, <laughs> and then just leaves. <laughs> no, he does the he does that thing like like the. Do you ever hear that story about like there was like a, a vertical leap test or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just walks by and he ju- he does it and he goes he puts down his iced coffee. He do- he jumps it all the way and he goes that was not very difficult. And then he just picks up the iced coffee. He just does it now. Yeah, <laughs> he does a full around the world keepy up. He's like that was not very difficult. Yeah. Puts a puts a penalty kick upper ninety top bins. That was not very difficult. <laughs> He's, that was like one of my favorite NBA anecdotes. If you ask me, like, oh, her, so great, horrendously underrated player Boris Diaw. Yes, in terms of like vibes, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Uh, your stocks, please, sir. Um, I want to agree with all your stocks. I don't. 
Uh, I think <laughs> I don't that's know. Fine. I didn't. That's fine. I feel like I didn't put. I feel like I want to give a stock up to Lewis Morgan. I feel like All while right. he didn't have a great game going into the game, I feel like this is. It's weird. I, this might be the first time he's had like be in an opposite where like he's being given the keys to a team in a lot of ways of generating the offense not like he's that he's like a quarterback i don't want to say like weird shit like that but like having this many touches in the game to a team that's actually like putting chances together not just like handing the ball off to gonzalo Higuain or whatever um yeah because like obviously yeah miami and then his time at celtic which is like i don't know if he was like a main guy at celtic or whatever but you know yeah I mean, yeah, actually, to be honest, I don't remember much of Celtic, really, in general. Right. He was a winger years. there, because it was it was definitely Brendan Rodgers Celtic, so I imagine they're playing some, like, four two three one system or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. In those ugly New Balance kits. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Ever since, like, like, the hoops don't really pop as much as they used to, huh? Like... Like like on the old like mid two thousands like Champions League kits that they had, yes. when they were sponsored by Carling, like oh yes, those were like classic kits. The but, Shinsuke like, Nakamura years, yeah, right. Where 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 they were like the clean, those was like the clean cut between the white and green hoops. But nowadays it feels a bit more I don't know like plasticine for some reason. Maybe, Maybe it's just like my the thing is using. my thing about the hoops, right? This is purely, and I'm sorry, I don't know, I don't know if I should apologize that we're going into weird soccer aesthetics. If you're doing hoops, the Celtic hoops, right, green and white, the top stripe does not need should not be white. It should be green. It should be a green at the top, and then it goes down. You should not have a white. And I think every most of those like uh, those Celtic kits that New Balance made were had the white, and I'm like on top, and it was it looked real bad. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I mean, like, I think uh, when it comes to, like, shoulder paneling and the like, you'd want something a bit more uh, distinct, right? Shading yes. shading in the kit. So, I mean, that's fair mm-hmm. enough. I think it's, it's a yes. fair point. Anyway, we went off on a weird tangent. I feel like we've wrapped this game up in a neat little bow. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to talk about my Celtic alternative jersey with Kyogo Furuhashi on the back. Oh, yes. You have the green one, right? With the yeah. green, uh, with the shamrock on it or whatever? Yeah, because it was St. Patrick's Day, I suppose. So, like, I just yes. happened to be wearing it yesterday. Very the nice. 18th. I just yeah. wanted to shout that out. Shout uh, out to Kyogo Furuhashi. Shout out to Reo Hatate. Shout out to Yosuke Daizen Maeda and Yosuke Ideguchi, I guess. <laughs> yeah, all of those guys. I uh, Shout out to Shunsuke Nakamura and shout out to... Koki Mizuno. That's all the Japanese guys that Celtic have had, I guess. Yeah. Some Korean fellas as well that I forget. The name uh, Kison Young, I think. Yeah, Kison Young. That's right. That's right. And I guess if we're doing East Asia, uh, Zheng Ji also played there. Uh, the, <laughs> the second greatest Chinese export since, but has now been eclipsed by Wu Lei. There we yes. go. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like you said, I think that kind of wraps up uh, Minnesota United chat. So let's uh, let's get into the team news going into our game against Columbus this weekend, I want to say, right? Yes. It'll be an afternoon game on Saturday, I want to say. I it's think. on Sunday here, so. Sunday. Oh, okay, so that means it'll be like, it's Monday morning, my time. Fuck me. F. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not going to be able to watch that game again. <laughs> so Sunday, 2 p.m. kickoff, a quick rundown of things, uh, rumblings that we had around the club. Um, okay, so uh, why are we going to bring in this question from uh, Ed Ritter? Thanks for the question, Ed, as always. Um, let's see. 
FIFA transfer ban, fact or fiction? And yes, uh, just to catch people up, uh, kind of a strange story breaking out of some person who worked for the Polish FA who had like 35 followers on Twitter and hadn't tweeted in like two years until this. But yeah, uh, apparently there was a registration ban placed on the club for not making solidarity payments for uh, the teams that developed Patrick Lumala. I think Jagielonia was one of them. I, 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 I'm sorry if I butchered that. Uh, <laughs> I do not speak Slav, so you can correct my pronunciation of that one. Um, yeah, so Legia Warsaw, Jagielona, Bielostok, and Legia Gierjonov. I don't, yeah, I did my best. Well, I mean, I think you did a better job than I did, so <laughs> yeah. fair enough. I mean, A for effort, in your case. Um, uh, I mean, to be honest here, I mean, like, we, we don't really know what's going on other than what's been released in public. And yeah. publicly, what we do know is, is that there were some payments that were missed that the club has now apparently made rather quickly. And yes. the Polish FA themselves kind of confirmed that we've settled it rather quickly. So whether or not that actually has any actual implications um, remains to be seen. But with how little anything since has kind of happened, right, it kind of doesn't seem like it's going to be a big deal anyway. No. So It's like a, the SpongeBob cops. Like, you're, you've been transfer banned. All right, you're free to go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what it kind of feels like to me, right? And I mean, on top of that, like, uh, you know, I mean, if, I, I don't know if this really counts, but Ashley Fletcher now has been confirmed as that being available for selection Sunday. So it doesn't seem to me that this was anything more than just a pretty silly little hiccup. So, you know, I mean, we'll just kind of leave it there. I don't really think there's much more to talk about it. Other, Yeah, the only, biz the only bizarre thing is that, like, Apparently, this also happened to the Portland Timbers, where they're signing their guy like Yaroslav Nizgoda. But yeah. it's strange that if this is a single entity league, is this not an issue with Major League Soccer and not our team specifically? I don't know. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's the thing, right? I mean, I guess maybe the team. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a contract expert. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah, a. I'm not a. I'm not a. What you call it? I'm not a league bureaucrat. There's so much that goes on there that like nobody knows about anyway. That I feel like commenting on it from my place, from my position, is kind of a pointless exercise because I think anything would just be baseless speculation. Really, all I kind of know is that it doesn't really seem like it's going to impact us that much. And based on what's been released publicly, it's already been resolved. So I mean, like we're probably going to forget about it by the time kickoff happens on Sunday. Yes. So this know. is the New York Red Bulls. You think this is the worst transfer weird saga that we've been involved in? Get out of here. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the deal. Our own sporting director took a year off our own guy's career once because he put him on this season ending injury list prematurely. Yes. Shout out to Gideon Baugh, man. I mean, like, that was... Shout that out was, to Gideon Baugh. That was kind of sad. He's with FC Motown now, though. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Enough. Training and stuff like that. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. But I mean, like, Man, we kind of fucked his career up, huh? <laughs> Poor guy. All um, right. That aside, um, team news. Yes, of course, I think the big one, of course, being that, yes, uh, Ashley Fletcher is available for selection on Sunday. And like he'll be wearing number 11. Proper striker numbers. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think these are good vibes, right? We have a attacking triumvirate that wearing nine, ten, and eleven. Yes. <laughs> the the Holy Grail is a slowly we're slowly being restored to normalcy here, right? I mean, the goalkeeper wears number one. Uh, starting start attacking midfielder wears number ten. That's supposed to be our attacking talisman. Our striker wears number nine. His strike partner wears number eleven. Okay, I mean, this is where it gets a bit unorthodox, right? Because I think I would prefer. The roles were switched a little bit. Like Morgan wears eleven, Fletcher wears ten, and Klimala wears nine. But you know, just the very fact that we have a <laughs> some right. level of orthodoxy there is a net improvement. But we have to yes. discuss Lukinias wearing eighty-two because what's up with that man? Like, <laughs> I mean, like we said it last time, that's just his number. He sticks with it. Fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I want I want to draw attention to it again because I I still think <laughs> I still can't really get over it to be honest. <laughs> Like, if it's going to have a weird number, like, I guess, I, 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 I don't understand that. But 82, like, objectively, is just ugly ass, man. I'm sorry. It's, just, like, it's bizarre, man. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get used to it at a certain point, but I, still, I'm like, huh. I will, dispar- I, was, I will disparagingly shake my head as he continues to bag goals and assists at an alarming weight and be like, Pfft. he would exactly. have, like, 15 more if he was wearing number seven. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of number seven, I mean, I think I, I still can't really forgive a right back wearing number seven either. But you know, I mean, whatever. It's uh, there are, I guess, in this league alone, there are worse. I, Toronto had Gregory Vanderveel, and he wore number nine as a right back, and I'm like, this is disgusting. This that's is like insanely. William Gallas levels, ain't it? Like that's ugh, ugh. <laughs> I'm disgusted. That was that was that was unreal. I mean, like <laughs> William Gallas, horrible, 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 horrible. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, so you're going back to serious striker talk, serious soccer talk. Sorry. I mean, I think I'm kind of enthused to see, uh, what this lineup could look like with the two decent caliber strikers, right. In the rotation. Um, it's a boon for sure. Right. I mean, I, I mean, and I think, uh, if you look at it, no matter which way, even if we line up with one striker, it means that we have another weapon to bring off the bench. Exactly. That's of a higher caliber than Tom Barlow, hopefully. Um, that can offer a bit more of a consistent attacking threat rather than just being someone you drag out to just run people down for like the last 20, 25 minutes. You know, and uh, there's going to be another really niche reference here, but I think uh, you and me are probably the only people in the circle who are going to get it. But, you know, it would be like uh, Frontale dragging off Leandro Damiao around the 65 minute mark just to throw on you Kobayashi. Exactly. You know, like, <laughs> or like the other example, the Premier League example, uh, Southampton bringing off Graziano Pele and bringing in uh, Shane Long. Yeah, which I think is what we used the last episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes, but... I'm trying to think of another strike partnership that would be. Huh. Yeah. No, but, but I think I'll think co- of one. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we'll, that kind of more or less covers it, though. Basically, I mean, I think uh, I like the positional depth that it gives us, but also the flexibility and deploying options that it gives us, right? I mean, it's a kind of a one on paper that looks good at a variety of different angles. So, um, like we said, right, um, Fletcher is a player that likes the ball at his feet. He can dribble a fair bit with it, and uh, he likes to operate like uh, in the same like inside-out kind of... Uh, in the same kind of inside-out movement that we see from Patrick Lamala, right? Because he's been deployed right. as a winger and as a striker. Like, I think uh, 
at Middlesbrough, not so much at Watford, but at Middlesbrough. And he was like a regular, we were seeing the field a bit more regularly. I think uh, that has to bode well for the fit, for what we want the strikers in this formation to do, right? Because there's a whole bunch of different options. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically against a team like Columbus, I mean, I don't know too much about... I mean, it's a uh, two Porter. wins, one draw. It's Caleb Porter. They play a four-two-three-one. Just double pivot with Darlington Nagby and Artur. Uh, Pedro Santos doesn't play. He's now playing as their left back. Derek Etienne Jr. plays on the wings now. They have another guy uh, that I'm not that familiar with. Jazzy's artist has sort of been platooning out with Miguel Barry. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it seems to me that. Um... I mean, uh, just the general feeling is is that like they 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 are kind of an RNG team, right? Like how they play from one game to another can be um, <laughs> kind of. It's random. a Caleb Porter team. It's yeah. sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe maybe shit. shit. Yeah. Um, exactly. they have this guy. They have the they have this new center back this year, Milos Degenik, who's a Australian who all who played for yeah, Yokohama F Marinos a few years ago. I don't know yeah. if you remember. Yeah, no, no, I remember him. I remember him. Uh, decent ball playing center back, I suppose. But um, basically, for me, I think uh, I mean we, we know what these kind of teams are all about, right? Like <laughs> they're the, the the prototype of the kind of milkatos, like vaguely possession based four two three one MLS side, right? That yeah, uh, kind of looks like they're trying to build an attack, but really, like, there are shades of Hero Ball with uh, the talismanic number 10. Yeah. Lu- Lucas Zellerion, who kind of makes the whole thing tick, right? So, um... We can, uh, Armenia like, national team uh, legend Lucas Zellerion. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's kind of one of those things that if uh, we're up for it, I think uh, we'll definitely be able to at least smash... get, get a result at home. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we shouldn't be, I don't really think that this is a team that I'm scared of necessarily. Um, (laughs) even though they are top of the league currently, but yeah, but they missed the playoffs last year, you guys. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's still early. I'm not really, this is a team that I think like if we're serious, we should probably be able to get a result against. And we have looked pretty good. What are we seeing now that they're having issues defending set pieces? Like the 3-3 draw against San Jose, like they gave up two goals on set pieces. Um, They're not particularly great at winning aerial duels uh, and not particularly good at just defending a lead based on that one game. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of bodes well because I think we also have an increase. We have had improvements in our set piece delivery this year. Right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I will point out that Frankie Maya has been one of the understated parts of his game has been his deliveries. Pinpoint so far. Never, never overcooked. Always, always in the mixer. Yeah. And I hope we do continue to take advantage of that. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're spending a lot of minutes to just basically fumble around and talk about how this is basically just a Caleb Porter team, and we kind of know what it's all it's about. It's a Caleb right? Porter team. I think, like... <laughs> I think the particular formations we've been running out, we've been able to neutralize a lot of, like, Teams trying to play with dribbly boys, 
yeah. or, or I guess progressive carrying wingers if you want to be lame about it and not use the word dribbly boy. But uh, I feel like uh, not. I think that could we could deal with a guy like Derek Derek Etienne Jr. and uh, who else is that? Yeah, yeah, Yaboa on the other side. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Although I do think the key battle here would be, I'd actually be up against uh, someone like Darlington Nagby, right? Who we kind of know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like how that midfield, if they use two guys, like these are two experienced guys that we are very familiar with. um, Who are also particularly good at like uh, retaining the ball, right? And with their dribbling through the center of the field. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's... And how like the wood chipper of of our midfield... tries to handle that has to deal with those guys yeah i mean i think it's a higher caliber midfield than i think we uh, faced yeah we've generally faced all season for sure definitely i I definitely agree with that diagnosis so um i think the game is going to be won in that deal right do we do a good job of neutralizing nagby's ability to retain the ball and advance it with his uh dribbling ability um, because we also know that uh, Artur, who acts as like safety valve, right, very good at spreading the play when given the chance, right. So they kind of do have quite a fair bit of synergy with each other, you know. So it's going to be the sternest test for a midfield so far, uh, yes. with how we tend to overload in the center of the field. I mean, I think uh, I think that would be um, that would be an interesting development. Basically, like I said, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm just kind of fumbling around because, um, yeah, because I don't really Lads, it's Caleb Porter. It's Lads, it's Caleb Porter. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for giving me the out. Like Jesus, I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah. So that would probably be my key to the game uh, this weekend. See how that midfield battle shakes out. Because I think if we manage to assert ourselves the same way that we've been asserting ourselves to the opening three games of the season, there is a good chance that we walk away with this with a win basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, see how that shakes out. I'm not going to give a prediction for the game because like, to be honest, I don't think yes. I want to give a prediction because I'm just not familiar <laughs> with most of the league anymore. To be Yeah. Um, I can only really comment about ourselves. So yeah. Uh, does anybody want to have like, a, do you have anything else to add to this or should we just go straight into the questions? Not really. I would like for the New York Red Bulls to win this game on to questions <laughs> all right so i think uh, we only have a four piece remaining from leo thank you so much for uh, sending your question or questions i should say in this case leo um has cornell slow so let's begin with number one has cornell slowed down or is simply rusty despite the long preseason i don't really think he's dropped off that much to be honest i mean the goals that we've all conceded he couldn't really do it anything about yeah. To be honest, I mean, like, the goal against San Jose wasn't a set piece near post flick on. That was kind of partially due to, like, bad marking more than anything. The Toronto goal, I mean, uh, Toronto game, he had a couple good saves, right? Yeah. The one against Pozuelo was a good one at the near post. Um, and then I think the goal that he actually beat him on, I mean, like, uh, it was a one-on-one, and I think they ended up rounding him. So it's, like, kind of whatever, right, once that yeah. happens. Uh... Goal against Minnesota, again, right? Smash and grab. It's more down to bad marking off a set piece more than anything. Like, I wouldn't really say that he's, like, really done anything to suggest otherwise that he's been taking a step back. Because I think more often than not, when he's been called upon in situations where he can actually do something, he's answered the call. Yeah. Right? So, you know. 
I think he I think he I think he's been all right so far this season. As he and part of I think the team's improvement in general, right, is that you no longer have, need to have like standout goalkeeping performances to keep you. To exactly, keep you he's not exactly facing too many shots during a game. Yeah, and you no longer have to like have everything on Razor's edge with the goalkeeper preserving one nil leads, right? So, yeah, <laughs> it feels a lot more comfortable basically because our attack's doing your job. Mm-hmm. Every goalkeeper wants to play for a team that has a good attack because you have the best seat in the house. Yeah, I can tell you that from first-hand experience. <laughs> <laughs> I have been on both the giving end and the receiving end of uh, seven nil drubbings, and I can tell you, um, the former is a lot more fun than the latter. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, um, how should the defense line up with Aaron Long being out? And I think this is re- reference to the fact that uh, Long was called up for the World Cup qualifiers uh, later this month. But I don't yes. actually think he's going to miss any time, right? I don't think because yeah, I think happens. our games are. I think they've scheduled the games around that. I don't think we won't have any games during that. But yeah. I guess if we want to consider at a point when he would be out during yeah. a concurrent international window, yeah, it would be um, during the summer, probably right. During so. the summer, and then the question would be: Do we line up with two center backs or three center backs? And then if we played with three uh, or two, does Monzon see the does does Monzon see the field or does Tom Edwards deputize as the second center back? Yeah. I mean, I do think it's going to be four at the back. I mean, I would like four at the back just simply because I think uh, we've looked better for triple two. Like I've said, I think a few times this episode Um, in terms of who steps up next to Sean Nealis. I mean, I think in, I mean, what we have seen previously is, um, Tom Edwards coming in there, right? Playing center back next to him. Yeah. I mean, I think Reyes being out kind of puts a big damper on things. And hopefully, you know, this fracture heals well and quickly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I'd probably see something like a like a four-man four, four man configuration being Nealis at right back, Tolkien at left, and then uh, Edwards and... Uh, Nealis in the middle of the pitch. The elder Nealis. Yeah, yeah, Sean Nealis, I should say, sorry. Um, but <laughs> with a five-man formation, that's where it kind of becomes a question, I think, of Dylan Nealis at right wing back, Tom Edwards at right center back, Sean Nealis at center back. I think that's when Lucas Monzon steps in, actually. We'll be at left center back. John Tolkien yeah. at left wing back. It's probably the only time that I could probably see. I mean, I could be wrong. Could be a case where they move Nealis out to right center back and then put Monzon in as a left footed defender. Um, that yeah, because I, I think that's sort of the differentiating factor for Lucas Monzon, right? Is that he's the only left footed center back in the whole team. There are also only three games into the season, so I mean, like, I wouldn't really be too alarmed about his lack of playing time just yet. You know, yeah. And, uh, um. All I know is that, like, knowing how the team, like, Jeff, like, like, knowing what you need to do over the course of the MLS season, he is probably going to see the field at some point anyway. So maybe, it get, maybe it's to his advantage because it gives him a lot more of an insulated environment, like we say, to learn the tenets of how he's supposed to operate as a center back in context of the system. Yeah. So that when he is called upon, like, we're not thrusting him into uh, in anything beyond his, uh, you know, his ability at any given time. So I do think there's going to be one of those silver lining kind of things. Um, yeah. 
is fullback a liability with Edwards easing in and Nealis being inexperienced? I mean, I think uh, this depends on how... Um, I think we touched upon this earlier, right? I think uh, I kind of do agree that Nealis hasn't really covered himself in a lot of glory um, in the opening part of the season. But um, I think now, right, that the way that we attack with the ball is a lot different, right? That it's not going to be as much of a devastating factor, right? It's not going to be as much of a, no, sorry, it's, much, it's not going to be as much of a deal killer as it may have been last year, right? Where Kyle Duncan on the dribble was one of our only consistent attacking outlets, right? Yeah. And in fact, even this year, you're starting to see us go down more the left-hand side more, right? To take advantage of Tolkien's uh, ability to streak forward, but also the fact that, you know, now Lukinias is there. So, right back to me, the right-hand channel isn't as much of a concern now because the left hand looks really, really strong. And it seems to me that the game plan would be to skew a bit more in that direction this year. Um, but, of course, I mean, you also can't deny that Lewis Morgan on the other side of the field like also is a big factor that shouldn't be ignored, right? So, I wouldn't really say that fullback is a liability Um it is an area of potential concern, but it's not one that I would say would be actively dragging down the team just simply because I don't think we're going to be as reliant on the right-hand channel as we have been in teams past anymore, right? It's right. going to be the left and center parts of the field. I don't know. Do you have any, do you have any feelings about that? I don't know. I've been talking um, I think if we... Have him play as a, that right wing back spot. I think that gives him a little more time to grow. In as much as like that position being uh, a position meant to advance the ball forward, not necessarily just being a defender. Um, I think part of the, the the benefit of having the three center backs is that by having an extra center back, you can get more guys forward when you have three guys at the back. Um, rather than having like Neilis get the ball up and down as a wing back and sort of like causing like. Uh, holes on that right-hand flank. Um, I'm a lot more bullish on him than you are, I think. I feel <laughs> like there's a player in there. I, I mean, it's yeah, like fair. I know his limitations, but I feel like I think there's been enough trust in him already Yeah, that I mean, like we're not just starting him bait because he's a warm body that can start there. I think I think, I think, think the team sees sees a player in him yeah. um, and just wants to get, to get him up to speed by giving him minutes. Yeah, which I think is it's fair enough, right? I mean, like, you don't really develop players if you don't give them time to play, yeah. right? So, you know, I mean, I, I would like uh, very much for these uh, expectations to be surpassed, for sure. Um, yeah. Finally, I think uh, rounding out this series, should RBNY buy a Welsh player to complete the home nation's accents? And this is one that's going to be right up our alley, I feel. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, shout, out, shout out to a friend of the show, Ben Cork. But yeah, I mean, absolutely, we should be buying a Welsh player. I mean, like... <laughs> okay, I'm on transfer market right now. Okay, what position do you want? How old do you want him? And let's see, see Dude, what we can it, work Let's with. bring in Ben Woodburn, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just splash the cash on a guy. <laughs> I mean, we need left back depth anyway, right? So let's just bring Ben Woodburn in. <laughs> exactly, there we go. Let's see, no, 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 I want to go down memory lane here, right? we got to think about all these great players that played for Wales, uh, their legendary Hero 2016 run. Uh, 
Oh, wait, that was six years ago now, man. Fuck. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hal oh, Robson Kanu, who didn't have a time, who didn't have a club at the time. Yeah, unattached, and he killed Belgium with a fucking he killed Belgium. Turn. I mean, that fucking was Cruyff so turn. fucking cool, man. I mean, so dope. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's see. Uh, Joe Ledley, Joe Allen. Um, Joe Allen, everyone's favorite player. Yeah, uh, let's see. I, mean, I realize we're just naming like Welsh guys now, but I mean, that's we're just naming dudes, right? Like, uh, what's Neil Taylor, Ben Davies, um, Ben Davies, Ashley Williams, Sam yes. Vokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Bale guy's all right, I guess. That Bale guy, Bale, some guy named Aaron Ramsdale. No, Ramsey, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a crock to me. Sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Welsh players are cool. I think uh, Wales is definitely the most uh, consistently underrated part of the home nations. But yes. my problem with this question is, is that the implications here of failing out all the home nations criteria is that we'd have to sign a Northern Irish lad, wouldn't we? Do we, though? Hmm. In what sense? Okay, I, I want to hear this. In what sense? My thing is, do we recognize Northern Ireland as its own thing? Or are we strictly, because of the, the proximity to the holiday that we're in, we only recognize Ireland as one constituent nation? <laughs> I see where we're going with this. Uh, uh, can you solve this math problem, uh, Lens? 26 plus 6 equals? Uh, uh, one. <laughs> Shabin intensifies in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Lens, get the fertilizer. <laughs> oh my god! Um, kind of like podcast has had everything. I mean, like I don't think a, I don't think a week goes by in this podcast about some kind of Irish <laughs> Irish Republican <laughs> reference. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you, you know, I mean, that's the deal, you know, I mean, like, we were linked to the Irish fella earlier uh, this year, right? Uh, what's his name? Dara McClenahan or something, right? I think from Blackburn. Yes, I forgot his name already. The guy, it was a very strong Irish name is all I know. And I think... Um, Dara Lenahan. Yeah, er, da, yeah, Dara Lenahan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think uh, that would have definitely like uh, drawn the entire population of long island out to see us you know i think yeah. yes including joe biden who is irish apparently but stop Clearly, lying to yes. us joe <laughs> come on brandon sorry <laughs> anyway um let's see uh yeah actually you know we, we diverted from the point of question completely which is like uh, which welsh player would be like to sign right and I, we said Ben Woodburn. Oh, yeah. Splash I, I, the cash. I did say Ben Woodburn, but I was like, yeah. is there any I others? think that's a good, that's a good shout. I guess we could play him on the left-hand channel. That's good. One, one, like what? Barely two million market value. Whatever, man. Get him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, John Tolkien needs a backup, right? So Yes. John Tolkien <laughs> needs a backup. Let's see. I mean, we're not signing Wayne Hennessy because he sucks. Um, no. Quite frankly. Oh, Daniel James at Leeds is still around. <laughs> oh, yeah, if we want to do that. If Jesse wants to do us a favor. Yeah, he should. Actually, oh. hold on a second. Jesse Marsh, I know you're listening. <laughs> Send us 
Daniel James, okay? Send us Daniel James. They'll be the fastest fucking team on the face of the planet. It was like, you know, you know, my, my, my tactical strategy is like on FIFA, right? Just hold down the right shoulder button and just go. Exactly. FIFA like, 12 strats. Exactly. <laughs> Where, uh, it's perfect as well because that's when you could play FIFA like it was rugby. And we all know that Wales is great at rugby, right? So you Yes, know. exactly. I, li- I like this strategy. Thanks, Leo. They should hire me as a, they should hire us as a sporting director, I think. Basically. We should be the new sporting director. Yeah, we should be the new sporting director. You know, if I was a sporting director, I would only sign good players. You know, like that, that's my I'd strategy. I would only sign good players. I would no sign bad all, players. Yeah, I would sign all good players only. Like, yes. <laughs> My my list of like players is gonna be like uh, you know the bad boy records like catalog and like the nineties <laughs> you know it's <laughs> they'll they'll call me like the puffy of uh, sports you know <laughs> bangers only um, yes oh Ethan Ampadu is here around as well but I don't know if he's actually good anymore <laughs> yeah I have no idea. He, also he shaved his dreadlocks, and now he lost his strength. Yeah, he he lost his swag. It's kind of a shame. But he also plays for Venezia, though. I don't think I don't think we want that taint on our team. Oh boy, like absolutely disgusting influenza influenza club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're an influenza club. I don't give a fuck what people Damn. think. Yeah, then it wraps it up, right? I think we're we're satisfied with that answer. It's we're going to be signing Ben Woodburn and a bunch of lads. Uh, ben and, Woodburn uh, or Daniel James. Uh, yeah. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd be down for that. So thanks for that question. So thanks for that set, Leo. Um, and I also think that does it here for us in uh, episode 61 of Adventure Fan TV rundown, clocking in at an economical 73 minutes going into the weekend. So we'll see you Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, my time, for the game against Columbus. I will probably not be awake. I mean, like, I pass out at like midnight nowadays anyway. <laughs> such as such as the life. Uh, Juan, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. And to everybody listening at home, stay safe. Travel safely. Have a good night. Bye-bye. We're gonna play football. We're gonna play football, 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 all around the world. Football, 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 the greatest game of all. You can play a rough, it'll never be enough, cause you know where it's been so Talking about football.